Welcome to the Silicon Valley podcast. My name is Cherry Reynard. I'm here with Mike Seidenberg, a manager on the Allianz Technology Trust. Welcome, Mike. Nice to see you again. I sense that we're at an inflection point in the global economy and people aren't quite sure which way it's going to go. I'm interested in what technology companies are telling you about the business environment. Do they seem confident? Are they investing? What are you seeing? Sure. First of all, it's a great question. I I think what we're seeing thus far this year in 2019 is that the IT environment for spending is a, a less robust environment relative to 2018, where we saw just kind of broad-based spending. With that as a backdrop, I mean, the companies that we own have continued to report, um, you know, as of the last reporting period, still had, uh, you know, strong numbers. Um, we also are of the belief that the companies that we own will continue to garner those dollars because, you know, two of the key themes in the portfolio, which are movement to digital as well as movement to cloud are just incredibly relevant regardless of, you know, kind of the, the environment that we live in. Um, you know, with the caveat, if we had an 0809 scenario, you know, where, uh, you know, which I lived through, you know, all bets are off for pretty much all companies, you know, but I, I don't, I don't foresee that, um, you know, having traveled around and watching consumers and whatnot. And so it's in those type of companies where you're seeing particular confidence or I mean you know these are for the most part you know if you think about kind of the the, the reason for some of our success over time has been getting trends right and getting companies within those trends there's nothing that suggests that there's been a massive change in IT spending relative to those companies but you know we're still halfway through the year you know yeah. et cetera et cetera um and you know we've adjust uh, the portfolio accordingly relative to some other things that are happening in the global economy yeah the trade war now appears to be back on the table to say the least <laughs> to say the least <laughs> at the moment it seems more confined to sort of the manufacturing sector but yeah. are you seeing any knock on effect on any of the companies you're yeah i mean looking at here again We've changed some of our positioning based on um, the trade war and the rhetoric between the United States and China, which made sense and was the right thing to do and has helped us. You know, thus far, and I can't knock on wood, uh, but, you know, we're not, we haven't seen it. We monitor it. We talk to our companies. We visit them. Um, you know, our process remains the same. It's something we're highly aware of and acute of. But with the backdrop that for many of these, companies that are, that are making this transformation, it is a multi-year transformation. And to pause on that is expensive and you're still not done. And by the way, you do not want to continue to have to spend against your legacy systems. So, mm. you know, th- that's kind of the framework that we're operating on. Um, and we're obviously listening closely to companies. Uh, the trust has based itself in Silicon Valley and the management team is in Silicon Valley. Over the years, very few countries seem to have been coming in to steal Silicon Valley's crown. I mean, are you seeing opportunities from elsewhere? Is there anyone that can even come close on that level of innovation? Sure. So I, I think that, you know, the Silicon Valley and we're specifically located in San Francisco, which we feel is a competitive advantage for our investors um, and remains one. 
um, you know, has a unique access to both, you know, great universities coupled with talent, coupled with capital, right? That is the triumphant that you like to see. And that, that exists in other places. I mean, make the argument London probably has that. I was in Dublin yesterday. I feel like they're starting to have that. Um, the, you know, so as I think about, the advantage that the Silicon Valley has, I don't think it's purely unique to the Silicon Valley. What happens is that kind of knowledge base tends to repeat itself. So a lot of the employees that were at a startup then create a startup, et cetera, you know, and that just is kind of a vicious cycle. We are global investors and we look throughout the globe for opportunities. So, you know, granted, you know, we're located in San Francisco, but I don't think it's purely unique. You know, I, I don't also want to be careful because I don't want to sound too biased. I mean, you know, Austin, Texas is a really hot market for companies. Nashville is a hot market for companies. New York, um, you know, there's just a variety of cities that kind of have that right combination. Um, but at the end of the day, when your people are your most valuable asset, you know, you tend to go to cities where you can hire them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. WhatsApp recently launched its payment services in London. Yeah. So, I mean, and the London kind of fintech hub seems to be such a huge, you know, area of competitive advantage for London. Mm-hmm. I mean, fintechs really. I mean, I, I think that they're the birthplace for a lot of these companies. Yeah, I, I mean, fintech is an interesting area. We've already seen quite a lot of disruption. Is there any kind of disruption you think is still to happen, or anything exciting? I mean, I think the answer out? there is yes, to the extent that you know what you've seen are nimble players have come in and they've looked at opportunities um, where banks traditionally have kind of quote unquote done their business and whether it's a internet bank creating, you know, quickly creating mortgage products um, to kind of sell to millennials or whether it's a company like Square rethinking, you know, how do you touch kind of small businesses and give them products to grow their businesses. I think there'll always be opportunities um, you know, when uh, nothing kind of jumps out at me top of mind with respect on the listed companies, um, because a lot of the more innovative uh, fintech companies are still private. But, you know, it's an exciting time. And I think the other thing is, and you have to give credit to the likes of Visa and MasterCard and PayPal that have really kept up and they've continued to innovate as they've grown their businesses. So, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely an exciting time in fintech. I wonder, you mentioned digital disruption a while back, and I, this is obviously still an important theme for the portfolio. Yeah. How far along that trend do you think we are? How how far along the adoption curve? Is it still kind of um, only the really innovative companies are doing it, or are you seeing sort of mainstream adoption as well? I mean, I think the mainstream adoption of digital transformation is still, you know, still going to happen. And we are early days. If I think about just how I interact with the companies that I do business with as a consumer, whether that's an insurance company, whether that's a bank, whether that's a retailer, those for the bulk of these companies, their digital process still leaves uh, a fair amount to be desired, which is why we, you know, we continually are finding interesting companies to help facilitate that transformation. Now, Facebook has obviously been um, in the news a lot. Um, it's it's had quite a tricky year. It's now the largest holding in the trust. 
Could you talk a little bit about why that is and what what you're seeing in Facebook? Sure. Um, well, just to be clear, it became the largest holding in Q4. Um, and the reason why we bought it is we thought it had an excellent risk reward going into that particular time period, which, you know, when they reported the quarter in January. Um, you know, I think we tend to look at it as a business relative to, you know, and, you know, the S&P 500. And when we saw that multiple, it just didn't make a lot of sense for us. Plus, we did do a variety of survey work, which is something we're pretty proficient at that showed that the actual users were not trailing off, coupled with kind of talking to advertisers, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, uh, they have not had a lot of favorable press, to say the least. Um, having said that, you know, if you actually talk to people about the product and their use of the products, I don't feel like a lot of people have, you know, changed their behavior with Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp, even though the, you know, the press has not been kind to them. And I will also kind of, you know, deservedly so. So I don't, you know, I, I'm not sitting here saying these, this is an altruistic company by any means. Um, but I do think that people really like their products. Um, advertisers in particularly love the products and see a high ROI. That's a compelling business. Yeah. And I mean, but Obviously, Facebook is now engaging with regulators. Um, do you see anything, I mean, and perhaps to the technology industry more widely, um, do you see any threat from regulation or do you think that this new engagement will kind of head it off? I mean, I'm hoping for all the tech companies that they can engage with regulators and police themselves coupled with kind of oversight to some degree. Look, in general, um, as a person who really believes in the free market, um, as do most investors, I don't feel like any government could effectively, you know, quote unquote, manage uh, most of these companies um, as efficiently as, the, as, you know, kind of the capitalist society that we live in does. Look, there definitely needs to be some ground rules. I think that people's data matters. Um, you know, privacy is a growing concern. So to sit here and to think that there isn't some oversight, what I think is would be a relatively naive position. AI is always the big topic. It attracts a lot of headlines. Sure. What are you seeing in terms of the most exciting areas of AI from an investment point of view, where, where AI is making a big difference? First of all, in AI, I will tell you that we have yet to find a pure play on the unlisted opportunity in AI. So what we've done is we've really focused on companies that use AI for their products in a superior manner. It is amazing uh, what companies can do with massive data sets, cheap storage, and cheap compute. I mean, it just, it's mind-boggling for someone like me who came out of industry because, you know, the data's always been there. There's a lot more data today. But the reason why there's a lot more data is because, you know, it, cheap compute and storage enable that. Um, you know, we continue to kind of hunt around to see if we can find a pure play. It's been difficult. Um, so we've kind of thought about the first and second derivatives from an investment thesis. But you continually are seeing just really interesting opportunities with respect to how companies are using large data sets for their businesses. 
Um, you know, we've looked at a couple of smaller software companies that basically, um, for lack of a better word, take disparate, ty- disparate types of data and kind of cleanse it and get it ready for data scientists. You know, if I were, uh, you know, in college again, I might think about being a data scientist considering, you know, so many companies are putting tools and technologies in all, in their employees' hands that are specifically related to data today. And then just finally, the, your, your, embedded in Silicon Valley, you've got a big network out there, you're going to the conferences. What are you seeing that's, I mean, what are the new things you're seeing that are really exciting? So I think that, you know, the most exciting thing for us remains trying to find companies that have really happy customers because those end up being really good stocks. So we tend to think about, you know, what problems need to be solved what are new modalities of solving them? Um, I also just think at a high level, we're really focused on this kind of idea of, um, and I don't know if this is the formal name for it, but we call it, you know, widget-based development, which is this idea that that developers as a whole are thinking about writing less lines of code and using third-party services um, to augment their development efforts. Um and that's been a really interesting theme for us, and I think will remain an interesting theme. Look, uh, the other, you know, lastly, you know, our kind of core belief is that developers are the rock stars of today's generation, and therefore, tools and technologies that make them more efficient and better at their jobs are really interesting opportunities for investments. So we've we've spent a lot of time looking at stuff like that. And to what extent do you think? that the digital transformation theme has been discovered by investors or are we kind of at the foothills? I mean, I think that we're still early days with respect to Main Street and the various sectors there that need to interact with their customers digitally. If I think about my own experiences kind of on a daily basis, I would say they run the gamut from really positive on the digital side using a modality I want to interact with a company with to, you know, terrible with respect to, you know, hours spent on phone tag, never talking, never being able to reach the person I need to reach. Overall, I I think, you know, corporate America really understands customer service and how important that is and how there's a whole generation of kids that aren't going to be branded vis-a-vis TV um, because they spend their time on devices. So therefore, they're not exposed to the commercials like I was exposed to. So I think that digital transformation remains a key theme for us and something we're constantly looking for opportunities around from, from an investment perspective. And I just think, secondly, you know, the cloud, there's just a, tons and tons of workloads that still need to be transferred to the cloud. And that's an opportunity that uh, that it happens in technology kind of once every 15 type of years. So that remains a key theme for us and finding companies that kind of fit into that profile. And it's not necessarily fully reflected in valuations yet. You think there's more to go for? There should be more to go because the companies that are solving some of these problems uh, remain high growth companies and continue to kind of, you know, motor down the road and find incremental opportunities. Um, You know, that's been a, a theme for us for the past couple of years. Okay, thank you, Mike, for those insights. And thank you so much for listening. Please do tune in again to our next podcast.